welcome into the State of Combat with the Brian Campbell. This is your professional wrestling edition. Folks, they say the third time's a charm, right? You're supposed to get BC back as promised. We ran into a little bit of an issue. More on that in a moment. I want to tell you guys we have a fantastic show for you today. The truth is that the world of professional wrestling has not been this crazy, maybe in decades, but the last two weeks have been absolutely insane, and this time, not for all great reasons, but we are going to break down everything that went down with WWE over the past week. We're going to talk AEW Full Gear, a complete preview for the really the first actual pay-per-view since the television program has begun. We're going to talk NXT. We're going to talk about other stuff in the world of professional wrestling that might get up brought up throughout this podcast. And you know what? There may even be some Halloween candy talk because there were some pretty bad takes on Twitter uh, after our last show. Now to the Brian Campbell, after all. The In This Campbell podcast. It is the In This Campbell podcast. So here's the deal, folks. Uh, coming out last week, I promised you BC would be back. He's ready to talk professional wrestling. And then, you know what I forgot? That this guy, this guy, the Brian Campbell, is washed. He's like 72 years old. He can't handle a couple days out in Las Vegas talking to some boxers, having a good time, watching Canelo Alvarez basically TKO Sergey Kovalev and, and maybe be the pound-for-pound pound greatest boxer in the world today. But in all seriousness, BC, uh, very tired, very sick coming out of Las Vegas. He was supposed to be on the show today. We were ready to bring him back, talk all AEW, get him really hyped about SmackDown on Friday, and ultimately he was under the weather, couldn't watch enough, and more importantly, probably couldn't make it. You don't want to hear him sniffling on the pod uh, like I was a couple weeks ago. So to answer your questions, BC will be back very soon. The expectation is next week. When he does come back, I am going to push for the return of pay-per-view rewind. Maybe it comes back ahead of Survivor Series. I don't know. We will find out. But with BC on the mend, you know who's joining me? It's Gentleman Jack, Outback Jack Crosby. Jack, say hello to the people. I'm starting to get a little concerned that people are going to speculate that I'm holding BC hostage. Yeah, you know, I did, to be fair, I got <laughs> some DMs. Um, what's going on with BC? Is there something we need to know? There's nothing nefarious going on here. <laughs> Listen, the truth is, I prefer BC in the hosting chair. It is his show. He's far better at this than I. I do appreciate some of you that reached out to me, you know, gave me some compliments or, or, or thought, you know, see, I'm trying hard to do the best I can in this role. Uh, certainly it is not natural for me, as we've talked about previously on this podcast. When I started this with BC, uh, I had never done a podcast in my life. I had done some radio interviews here and there, but nothing where you're speaking to, you know, thousands of people and putting yourself out there opinion wise. So I do appreciate the, the comments that I received. Uh, Jack certainly, I'm sure, feels the same way. Uh, the comments that he's received for being uh, stepping into the chair here and joining us talking about the world that we love, the world of professional wrestling. Uh, but Jack, you know, before we really get into that professional wrestling, I think the sentiment that I could tell on Twitter was like 75% Silver King when it comes to the Almond Joy conversation. That candy bar is trash. And I don't care. And the I think people need to have a better understanding of your food preferences here because while the Silver King, for better or worse in terms of their corporate philosophy, will prefer a Chick-fil-A, right? Will prefer some craft beer 
Uh, shout out to Do South Brewing down here in South Florida. Many of the craft brews in South Florida, the state of Florida, even the New England IPAs that BC loves so much. You are a Yingling guy. Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Yep. Old school, America's oldest brewery, right? Uh, and and back to the fast food, you're a Burger King fan. Love Burger Love Okay. Beef. Love so now we're talking about candy, and we're, I'm, I'm bringing up, oh, my God, Butterfinger BBs, the greatest candy of all time, and Twix are great, and all this. Twix, by the way, the only candy bar with the cookie crunch. And Jack comes out here and says, Almond Joy. So I want you to defend yourself because coconuts are disgusting. Almonds no! are almonds far inferior to peanuts. So where are you, where do you stand on this? I don't get it. I'm just, I'm just opposite. I, lo- I always love coconut. My great-grandmother used to make a coconut cake for my grandfather and I. I loved that when I was a little kid. I'm I sure that was co- delicious. It wasn't an Almond Joy. great. Yeah. Coconut's great, and I'm a big fan of milk chocolate. I'm not a dark chocolate guy. I like the milk sure, chocolate. Sure, sure. I just love everything about Almond Joys. Always did. My, and so did, I got it from my mother, like I said last week. She loved them too. Well, Almond Joys got nuts, and mounds don't because you're a nut, and that's all I need to say <laughs> about that. I know that's a corny joke, but you know it's an old school uh, TV commercial that is stuck in my head every time we talk about Almond Joy. Okay, Jack, uh, we've talked candy. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we kind of roll into? Blood Money in the Sand 4, WWE in Saudi Arabia, yeah, uh, SmackDown, Sunday. NXT, uh, AEW. I got to spend some time in the for the first time in my life, I'll believe it or not, because I'm a huge Yankee fan. So my trips to New York City my whole life were just the Bronx, in and out. Right. I got to cover an event for the first time in the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, cage side for UFC 244. And just being in that building and thinking about my the pro wrestling history as I was looking around at the ceiling and everything. It was just it took my breath away. If anyone it was, if, it was amazing. If anyone wants to see Jack, uh, if you go back and watch the Diaz Masvidal fight after round one, while Diaz is in his corner kind of preparing to get back, right over his right shoulder, your left on the TV screen, you will see Outback Jack Crosby. Uh Na- nasty cut in that fight. Um really entertaining though. It was great. It was what really what a great, great. experience. I, like I I've got the chance to cover a lot of a lot of great things in my roles here, but that was uh that was a surreal experience. It was great. It was a lot of fun. I actually, just myself, as you know, uh, went to Madison Square Garden for the first time ever, despite being a long time for better, usually for worse, New York Knicks fan. Uh, for the NJPW show, WrestleMania yeah. weekend, I went with BC, and uh, I went with, you know, this guy. In this Campbell podcast. Uh, Nick Costos. One more time. Not only did he not win it, I felt that he lost it. Yeah, he felt that he lost it. Uh, but uh, we went ahead and... Uh, we're there for NJPW. We saw Okada with the NJPW tie- championship, heavyweight championship, or IWPG. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and that was fantastic. So I can only yeah. imagine what it would be like to be in a true combat sports event, you know, cage side kind of crazy. Like, I want to see, you know, for me, I'm a boxing fan. I want to see boxing there. But uh, even to see, sit cage side for UFC, you know, I can only imagine. How great that was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd like to. I'm sure I'll get to do a boxing event at some point. There, oh, you, probably oh, you think so? With BC. Uh, but like that, because that's another longtime boxing fan too. But yeah, like I said I, on Twitter too, like a combat sports event for as long as I've been watching this, yeah. it was just it, it was it really was surreal. It was great. I, I do feel like I need to get to a Knicks game, but I mean, I think I have you know five years, maybe longer, uh, until the team's good enough to you know make it necessary for me to fly up to New York or get up to New York, I should say, and go see that game. Okay, we're enough talking uh, BC and his sickness and being, you know, 72 years old. He's almost Vince McMahon's age, I think. Um, Maybe that's maybe that's what's going on here. But enough of that, enough of talking Halloween candy and UFC and boxing. God, folks, this is a professional wrestling show. And you know how we always start it. 
with the main event. We'll try one more time. All right, the main event, Jack. And we have to open up because, again, you know, WWE carries the water in the world of professional wrestling. And candidly, it does deserve to be spoken about. I've said it twice already in the show, both for better and for worse, because they did put on Blood Money in the Sand 4, uh, Crown Jewel, uh, on Halloween. It started at 1 p.m. And if we're being completely fair... And I want to talk professional wrestling before we talk about Saudi Arabia because, again, this is a wrestling show, and I don't think people want to get saddled with that right off the bat, especially after we went ahead and did the Jordan Miles conversation last last week. Um, But to be fair to WWE, and this isn't saying much, but of the four shows in Saudi Arabia, in my opinion, this was by far the best one. Yeah, I agree. I I, I was actually – I was having a discussion with our combat writer, Brent Brookhouse, yesterday, and I told him, I, I literally told him that same thing. I said, of the, all the shows they've done overall, while it did have its issues, I thought this was the best presentation we've seen so far. I, I It was an enjoyable show for what it was. If you, if, you put, if you block out the idea of where the show actually is and the controversies and stuff, I thought it was an enjoyable show for, for what it's worth. Right. I mean, I don't even think it lived up to a – mid-level WWE pay-per-view, although having some of the names on there and the anticipation of us as fans watching on TV, what the hell is going to happen with Cain Velasquez, right? Knowing there's going to be a women's match, how is that going to be handled? It's not saying these things were great, but it there was enough on that show to actually get me to care about it, where I think it's fair to say many of the prior Blood Money in the Sand shows, I didn't care and we watched just because it was our job. This one I did actually want to see, I wanted to know what was going to happen, and I wanted to see primarily, more than anything else, what the hell they were going to do in the main event between Seth Rollins and The Fiend with the Falls Count Anywhere match. Can't be stopped for any reason for the Universal Championship. And, Jack, I think if we are being honest, they delivered in terms of the finish. Now, I think a lot of fans, if you had said to them, we will give you that sort of finish, maybe Wyatt sits up, the fiend sits up after the toolbox is on top of him with the sledgehammer, all that, you know, and takes out Rollins while he, while he, while he's has his head in the hands in, in, in a corner, or maybe he, um, throws the sledgehammer and like a wrench pops up and hits him in the face. You know, if that was the type of finish at Hell in a Cell, fans would have gone home insanely happy. Yeah. This happening on a Thursday afternoon, halfway across the world at an event that many, Fans, not all, but a good portion either weren't watching live because they couldn't because they were at work. Don't forget WWE's fan base is older and it's a school day uh, as well. Yeah. And at an event that many others are protesting watching because it's in Saudi Arabia and they don't believe in WWE's deal, for to get that good of a finish and the result that fans wanted so badly there as opposed to at Hell in a Cell where it should have been where it was primed to happen, it kind of has me of two minds. One, I appreciate that they did it and went all the way with it and are going and going in on the fiend. And that's very smart. It's what they needed to do Two, It has me questioning. Was that always the plan? I'm not sure. Always the plan. I mean, like at the match itself, I'm not, I'm not joking here, folks. I was downstairs in my basement that I've set up nicely. I had nice couches down here. I caught myself almost falling asleep twice. I'm not joking. During the match itself, I almost fell asleep. I maybe those stupid red lights had something to do with it too, but it just these two, I these two just don't 
mesh that well together during the actual action. And but the finish, I was that was a legitimate feeling of shock. Yeah. When Wyatt hit you know what it was? It was when he came up from the from the fire from the fireworks, the electrocution, I thought, okay, I'm about to be disappointed. He gets the mandible claw, and I'm thinking, okay, is Seth gonna kick him in the junk? How are we getting out of this? But when he's it was when he set up for when he um bent Seth over for the sister Abigail, that was when I got this genuine feeling of, oh my god, they're gonna do it. Because a mandible claw and sister Abigail, Seth's not kicking out. And then when he dropped, it was for the like just a legitimate feeling of positive shock to see Bray just outright win that title when very few of us expected that to happen. Especially considering they did the brand split. It's supposed to be legitimate. And to WWE's credit, they are doing the best they can to keep the brand split legitimate and giving us storyline reasons for Bray to have been in that match and for what happened subsequently with Brock Lesnar. We'll talk about that later. To WWE's credit, we always complain. What do we always say? They don't care about storyline. They don't connect the dots. Things just happen. The wild card rule is stupid. They are, they, they put, they booked themselves into a situation that they were kind of screwed. They knew they had to put the title on Wyatt, uh, the fiend after the Rollins debacle and they've hurt Rollins. They need to build him back up. They have to find a storyline for him. Again, something we'll talk about later that they're doing on Raw. And they so they had to give him the title. They also knew they couldn't keep both titles on SmackDown. Yeah. And they knew they had to get Brock over to Raw or, or figure out a way to make that happen. And WWE, again, just being fair, we crap on them and we will crap on them today. They booked the damn territory. They figured out a way to get Wyatt and the universal t- get him the universal title, make sure both were not on the same brand, and have it make storyline sense. And they had Paul Heyman be the one to explain it away. And sometimes that's all you really need. It doesn't mean it's great storytelling, but it, if it makes sense, if it's something you can believe in, then it does the does the job you need it to do. We've talked about we've talked about it time and time again on this show. You cannot agree with a decision per se, but if you just give us a logical explanation, right. We're satisfied. Like we maybe like you might get some people that say, "Well, I didn't want Bray on SmackDown, and I don't want Brock on Raw." But if you can give us an explanation as to why you made a certain move, that's all we're asking for. And yeah, you're you're correct. This was done perfectly because and and credit to everybody involved. Like that WWE on Fox Twitter account, like they're fantastic, and the way they immediately started playing up the "Hey, Raw, it's five o'clock on a Thursday. Do you know where your championship is?" Yep. And it was like, oh, okay, so now we got this jumbled mess and everybody's in on it. And then Friday, the Friday night immediately, it was explained. Right. And it, it all made sense. But that's all we ask sometimes is just make sense. And let's not forget the thing that I've pointed out a couple through the last couple of weeks. When WWE is booking for these Saudi shows, it con- convolutes their regular storytelling. Now, the way things worked out with NXT and, you know, I, I happen to personally believe, Jack, that was an angle – on Tuesday night that they were going to run anyway, maybe just not. Uh, sorry, not I, say, I say Tuesday night, like I mean, so used I don't to, think it. I, I don't think it was. Yeah, I don't yeah think I'm so used to SmackDown Friday. on Tuesdays, but um, I don't think it was supposed to be this Friday. It was probably maybe supposed to be next Friday or maybe Raw or who the hell knows. But I guess my point, my larger point, is that 
for all the criticism that WWE gets for its booking, and we're going to do a lot of it in this show, they figured out a way to make this work. Look, there is no way, in my opinion, the plan was for Brock to be on SmackDown for three episodes and then be on Raw. Fox wanted Brock. Fox wanted The Fiend. Paul Heyman had built a roster on Raw. We discussed it. That was really solid on its own. It does not need Brock. And now, you know, it looks like he's going to be there. But going back to this match, ultimately, where the finish to Hell in a Cell fell short, the finish to this this Crown Jewel, this Blood Bunny in the Sand 4 match between The Fiend and Seth Rollins, I don't want to say it was a home run, but it was a triple. The camera, it was a make good. It was a make good. The camera work of Bray Wyatt standing up and, and Seth getting the sparks in his face, giving him a reason to actually lose the title to him with a simple Sister Abigail after he you know, kicked out of one earlier. Um, yep. It just made complete sense. Had they given that finish with the Hell in a Cell match and maybe reduced the stomps, which they did again, him hitting like a million stomps. And it's just like, stop it. Like it, you're making fans boo when you do that. Like it's unbelievable. And I don't say unbelievable so, in terms of good. I mean, not believable. So had they taken that finish with the Hell in a Cell match again before all the stomps, you have a really damn good title change and people are going home happy. And I hope that they have learned that lesson. Yeah, you could say what you want about Vince McMahon. And God, God, does he have his negatives. But traditionally, when he makes a huge mistake and it sometimes takes certain people to get in his ear and politely say, Vince, you made a huge mistake. He's mostly good at making it up to you. If he if he if it sets into him from enough people that Vince, that was a bad, bad move. You need to fix this. Right. And he eventually gets is like, okay. And I think that's what happened here. I think Helen is I think enough people told him, Vince, that was not the way to go. Right. And it, it was just we, we gotta fix this for these people. And, and someone did ask us, it's a DM we'll talk about later in the show what this means going forward. But the truth is, I never expected a situation where the fiend was a heavyweight champion this quickly and this far out different. and this far out from WrestleMania, but it's different. And it's different, you, yeah, unique. It's it's something that, it, and that's what we like about. We don't want the status quo. Like if this this guy is new, reju- rejuvenated character, popular with everyone, just strap the rocket to yeah, him. Just Go don't ahead. just don't let it end with him summoning worms in the ring and then losing the oh, title God, for no. no reason to Randy Orton. And I think we'll be okay. Uh, moving on with Blood Money in the Sand. Uh, Tyson Fury beat Braun Strowman via countout. I, I think that was the right finish, again, for the match. It was a slop fest. I think when you have matches like that, the Floyd Mayweather match before it, um, as the most recent, I guess, example, the best possible example, you can book it better. Uh, Big Show certainly took care of Floyd in terms of making him look stronger. Uh, but Floyd also took less punishment than Tyson Fury did here. Uh, I just didn't necessarily – I thought Tyson Fury did perfectly was, fine for someone who had been wrestling for a week but should never have really been in that spot. No, I don't ever, 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 ever. And I told I told Brian Campbell, I never, ever, ever, ever want to see Tyson Fury in that wrestling ring again. Yeah. I understand he had limited – it, but it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Now, the Floyd Big Show thing – the Floyd Big Show thing worked because it was such a David versus Goliath type aspect. But these two six foot eight dudes like stumbling around in the ring was ne- that wasn't my jam and, at all. And, and they, and they also gave would... they also gave Fury and, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but they do this for boxing too. I just didn't want to forget. They give him you know the Apollo Creed entrance on the same show with Cain Velasquez, who they I don't, I don't even know. Maybe they gave him fireworks, but if they didn't, who got like 
completely nothing compared yeah, but I'm compared okay to him. And, and Cain Velasquez is signed for th- you know multiple years. Yeah, but that's but that but again, this goes back to what I was telling you. What did they do, Adam, with Cain Velasquez that I told you they were going to do? Well, we're going to talk about that, but shit, they did shit. But with anyway, Velasquez. as far as Tyson, I was okay with that because that is Tyson Fury. That that is who he I is know. in the boxing world. I know, Cain. Kane is the killer MMA fighter. Boom, walk to the ring, get the job done. I, Tyson is the glitz and the glamour and the I guess what I'm saying is bells and whistles. I guess what I'm saying is when you're doing an apples to apples comparison, because they were both on the same show and both in their first match and both from outside WWE, one was made to a viewer who does not know anything about it. One was made to look like a huge deal, a massive star, the biggest guy ever, and the other was made to look like just another wrestler. No, I just I think they were just going by the personas. Like Tyson Fury, that's But not everyone is, what I'm trying to explain is not everyone knows those personas. But that maybe that's a point they were trying to get across because again, we'll talk about Kane, but I was right. Um well, talk about it. About how they were gonna present Kane Velasquez. No Lucha Libre. No, 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 no. He's gonna be the MMA fighter. He's gonna be the brawler. And everybody said, Well, we have hope when he gets in that ring. I said, No, that's not where they're going with this. I see where they're going. He's going to be the shoot fighter. And sure enough, what happened? Well, I think to be fair, I I mean, I don't remember what I said on last week's show, but I don't think I disagreed with you necessarily. What I do think we'll see with Kane over the period of time where he's in WWE is we will see him wrestle. We will see him do lucha things for, you know, I wish I had the drop here. I don't. Uh, But we'll see him do those things. Over the course of his career in WWE, but in a match with Brock Lesnar in his first ever match, I do think, yeah, you did nail it that they were going to out pre- there throwing thrust kicks for crying <laughs> out loud. That they were going to present him as this MMA guy, obviously dressed very similar to Brock Lesnar. He certainly had like the tight shorts where Lesnar's are loose, but he had the MMA gloves and the same persona, and it did look like they were trying to do an MMA shoot fight in a wrestling Ult- in a wrestling ring, which is not what wrestling fans want. It, here's the deal. This was a huge mistake. This was just a huge botch. This match should have never happened on this show. This match should have never happened now. How this should have went down as a storyline was Cain Velasquez comes back for Brock. Brock tells the story of, well, now you're in my world, bud. But Brock doesn't know that Cain could do this Lucha Libre stuff. This was a mistake from start to finish. It was a cool little surprise. But looking back, hindsight, I thought this after the show. I'm sorry if anyone disagrees. This was a huge, huge mistake. Oh, I don't know who disagrees. I don't know anyone who disagrees with that. I this thought, was this was a massive I, mistake. I thought despite Fury, despite the Fury fight, I thought this was the low moment of the show. Because Fury was enough star power for this. You didn't yeah, have to do Kate Brock. But, but no, but this is the low moment of the show for so many other reasons besides what you just said. First of all, you beat Kane Velasquez in two in I don't you count the seconds, two minutes, let's say. Two thirty eight was in, it? In, in his in his first ever WWE match. Not only do you beat him, you have him tap out. Tap them out. Okay. And you have him tap out to the Kimura lock, which is something that as an MMA guy you think he would last longer. Not saying he can't tap. Let Brock have him in that for for thirty seconds. Not to Let, mention Brock I know I'm gonna confuse him. Brock wasn't even in full guard. Kane could have easily switched his way out of it, took the back. He, like it was stupid, but it, from an MMA fan, watch it. Absolutely, like, but 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 again, even from a amateur MMA fan and myself, I've watched enough and seen guys submit in MMA. They don't tap in five seconds. They grit it out. They grind their teeth. They take as much pain as they can until they can't any longer. You can't have Cain Velasquez tap in five seconds. He needs to be like pounding the mat, like 
you know, in actual pain from the Kimura lock. And then when he can't take it anymore, if you're going to book it this way, which you should not book it this way, but if you're going to, that's what you have happen. You didn't even see the tap on camera. Um, he looked like an amateur in terms of leaving himself prone. I think that's kind of what you're saying. I, I don't know the terminology the same way as you, but leaving himself prone while he's trying to beat on Lesnar like that, having it be an MMA match in a WWE ring, it's like they didn't learn anything from New Japan's failures trying to do that, bringing in mixed martial arts guys and combat sports guys and failing, you know, years ago. Uh, this is not what wrestling fans want. You know what professional wrestling fans want? I'm going to break some news, Jack. You ready? They want professional wrestling. Yeah. They don't want MMA shoot fights or fake MMA shoot fights, and they certainly don't want Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman. Now, if you wanted to build Tyson Fury for a match at WrestleMania like you've done in the past with Floyd or other celebrities, go for it. Like you Robbie, have, you yeah. have the time, but they they saw an opportunity. Yeah, Triple H, Triple H admitted it to me. They rushed it. Obviously, yes, there's the potential fight with Wilder in February. They wanted to get Fury the promotion before that fight. Otherwise, afterwards, what good does it do? It doesn't do him really any good unless he wins. I don't think he's going to beat Wilder. That's another story for another day. But going back to Kane, it was just as botched of an introduction of a guy it, as I've seen a guy that you're paying a ton of money to and. On the bright side, which is crazy, Jack, they gave us the follow-up that we wanted and expected of something happening to Kane and then Rey Mysterio starting a feud with Brock Lesnar to tide over eventually the Brock-Kane match potentially at WrestleMania. They gave us that on Raw, and we don't, we're not really going to talk about it later in the show. Rey Mysterio looked like a million bucks. Uh, he beat the hell out of Brock Lesnar. We'll talk about that storyline a little bit later. Yeah. But they gave us the follow-up. What we expected to happen, and we're not angry that our booking didn't happen, but what we expected to happen was Brock to win by DQ, bash yeah. Kane's leg in with a chair. It would give Kane a reason to go for surgery. And now you have Rey Mysterio angry that he beat up his the godfather of his son, and the storyline continues. Instead, they didn't even try to hurt an appendage of Kane. They had him tap. They didn't mention him in any reverence on the following two shows. They didn't give him a reason to now be out of action. He does need knee surgery, according to reports. And they're continuing with the race storyline. The race storyline's great. I think we're both in agreement of that. But the Kane storyline, which should well, be the thing that you're trying to get over with Rey Mysterio, is a massive failure. Here's what happened. Like uh, Again, putting all the pieces together and looking back, here's what happened. There was a huge bidding war for Cain Velasquez, WWE, AEW, New Japan, Triple, everyone. Like, we knew that. There's a huge bidding. WWE wins the bidding war. Immediately after they win the bidding war, they have him under. So they're thinking to themselves, well, the only thing we could do is put him in a few with Brock Lesnar. It's the only thing that makes sense. And then they hot shotted that. They never thought anything through. They won the bidding war. They signed him. They threw him into this thing with Brock. And they never, they never gave this legitimate thought. Like, what was, like, when we were talking about the Rusev-Lashley-Lana storyline last week, what was one of the things we said? It works because it, you could tell there was legitimate thought put into it. This, there was nothing. It was bing, bang, boom, and then you end up what you have at Crown Jewel. Now we're confused and angry and all this negative emotions. Tyson Fury? Block at zero! Kane Velasquez? Zero point zero. And we're going to move on. Uh... A couple other things to talk about from Blood Money in the Sand for Jack. We should talk about the women's match. Natalia against Lacey Evans. First ever women's match for WWE in Saudi Arabia. Um, look, I simultaneously want to give the company its due praise 
for handling it well, making it happen. Now, they're selling their souls to make it happen. That's another story. Um, it, it was deserved for the women to be in a position where they can try to incite change, even if it's publicity change as opposed to real life change. I saw What I saw in the ring was a mediocre match on purpose. They didn't try to do anything special. Lacey Evans clearly was as clean as she could be in terms of uh, attire. I mean, they both were, but Lacey Evans in particular, considering she wears the hat and her hair is all done, um, and she, you know, wears, like, uh, what are those called? Um, Like, almost a garter belt to the ring with, uh, you know, whatever else. Um, uh, She was toned down completely. They both were basically, I think Natalia was in her black cat suit with a t-shirt, uh, uh, Lacey Evans was probably in like pants and a shirt with, or, or pants and a top with like a t-shirt on top of, of it. They both had long sleeves. They were both basically boxes. They were like rectangles of human beings yeah. in this match. Cause God forbid you showed, you know, any part of them. Um, and the match was mediocre, but what did touch me and it's just being sentimental and whatever being uh, human was Natalia. And she was almost crying before the match began. By the time the match was over, they were both crying. Um, you could see and hear the women in the crowd that it meant something to them. Again, even if it doesn't actually incite change, it still meant something to them. Yeah. And, and a, a positive feeling is still something. It's not everything, but it's something. And I thought ultimately the moment was handled well up until Michael Cole. This is the, you know, I didn't cut the clip, but this is the greatest achievement in women's wrestling history and and saudi arabia this is real change and whatever yeah. you know what michael cole michael cole shut up and I, I know you have to do your job but it was so over the top that it took me out of the moment and then on raw jack right before on smackdown i should say i'm sorry friday night on smackdown right before maybe the most anticipated smackdown main event in i don't know how long you have Stephanie McMahon come out and basically do a, hey, our women wrestled in Saudi Arabia, please clap. This is the time to chant yes. And it honestly, both of those moments yeah. soured it for me completely. What's your take? Uh, kind of like you said, like I, I'm happy for Natty and Lacey. I don't think it was done for the right reasons. We know that. Correct. I mean, every time we talk about these Saudi Arabia shows and WWE and this partnership, this extended partnership, quote unquote. No, um, I'll talk about that. What do we? What, what's the word that always comes up? Propaganda. Yeah, that's the key word here. It felt. Pro- it felt like propaganda for, for Natty and Lacey as performers. Happy for both of them that they had that moment. Like that was that was cool as hell. Um, what really got me emotionally, I, I won't even I won't even lie about this. There was that moment, like you said, where where Natty started crying. But it was what made her. It was like she walked to the ring with the smile on her face. She got into the middle of the ring. She got a bottle thrown at her, by the way. And, a water yeah. bottle. And she got into the middle of the ring. And she was still smiling. Lacey's music hit. And that's when she started crying. Yes. Because when Lacey's music hit and there was an opponent coming to the ring, it seemed like it hit Natty that, oh, my God, this is actually going to happen. Like, there's an opponent coming to the ring. Right. Like, it's like. Walking to the ring, she was like, she couldn't couldn't believe it. Like it was still surreal. And then when Lacey's music hit, and the other the other piece of the puzzle was coming down to the ring, that's when Natty's like, "Oh my god, this is actually going to happen," it, and she lost it. It felt like, you know, they're there multiple days before the event. It felt like almost she had been through a process 
Yeah. Where she had to speak to people on behalf of WWE and it was difficult. And, and we know it was difficult, but, and, and she had to go through this entire thing. And at the end of it, she, they got what they wanted in terms of, you know, the moment of having women in the ring. And then she was finally there in the ring and felt the surroundings. And then it kind of all hit her. And, and this is an underlying thing because I've seen people. I, I get it. Like there are many more talented women in WWE than Lacey Evans and Natalia. We, 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 we get that. Right. But Would we have preferred a, a Sasha Banks Bailey match? Yes. Yes. Of course. But here's the here's the deal. Yeah. Like Natalia is the consummate professional. She's the veteran. She was very good to have over there. She's very experienced with media, international media. She's been doing for how long? Her entire life. And with WWE, Jesus. Now, what do we add with her? 13, 14 years? Yeah. Like we're, we're getting up there. So she she was good to have. Now, Lacey. In terms of I, I, heard, I, should, I should also I, mention quick before you talk about Lacey. In terms of health, obviously he's with us, thank God, but lost her husband's career to yeah. the ring too. So she's been dealing with every lost her father a year and a couple months ago now. So her emotional state and it being all tied into this business is extremely high. Sorry, go ahead, Jack. Yeah. And Lacey, like and this is not this is not a joke and it's not a conspiracy. Like Lacey was good to have over there because of her military background. Yeah. She is very she was very well trained by our government to deal with foreign forces like this. But and no, that's not that doesn't mean pulling out an AR fifteen and shooting <laughs> people. Mentally. Yeah. The rigorous training she had in the Marines fully prepared her for this moment. Yeah. She wasn't gonna crack under the pressure. So that's why Lacey Evans, people that don't talk about that a lot, but I come from, there's a lot of military background in my family. And that's where I get, like, she, the, all the training, she, especially the Marines, out of all the, the four, out of all the, uh, mil, uh, the military services we have, like the Marines, she was perfect to have over in a place like Saudi Arabia to handle everything. So I think the agreement is the women, thumbs up, hero, the WWE, the, yeah, the, the, the WWE propaganda. Thumbs yeah. down, zero. Uh, also, quick hero, zero. Mansoor. Uh, look. Love C- it. Love Cesaro. Look, we got to credit Cesaro. We, we love him on this podcast. We talk about him all the time, but we never really go into it. And I don't want to now. We have plenty to talk about. But this guy is the ultimate professional. He, you could tell he was calling that match the entire time. He looked like a million dollars. He made Mansoor look like a billion dollars. The crowd certainly helped. That's another example of what happens when a crowd gets into a match. I'm talking to you, Long Island. Uh, but looked like a million dollars. Mansoor got over. This guy is legitimately talented. Not yeah. not talented for a Saudi Arabia guy that they're trying to push. He is real. He is not maybe as good as a Rollins or an Ali or anything like that. But he has a similar skill set where if they actually hone him and give him opportunities yeah. in NXT, he can be a real WWE superstar. I said this Friday, and here's the ultimate catch-22. Like, if there's a definition of catch-22, it's this. These Mansoor promos, post-match promos, and there's (laughs) only been two of them. They are some of my favorite promos in wrestling, but I'm serious about that. These Mansoor post-match Saudi Arabia promos just light a fire under my ass. This guy has me on the edge of what he's talking. (laughs) They fire me up. Yeah. 
And I'm like, okay, but it sucks because this is the whole side. But this dude, he just gets <laughs> you. He will have you running through a wall. And yeah. there's only been two of them. But I'm like, look, man, I can at least once a month watch a Mansoor post-match promo after a victory in front of his home people in Saudi Arabia. That dude is awesome at this. But like you said, so like you said, you know, if they hone the skills, because he's still all new at this, they could have a star on their hands in this kid. He's very good, very talented, has all the tools. They're very good. And at, at this rate, he's going to be like WWE champion and two more Blood Money in the Sand event. So uh, get used well, to, well, get actually, used to Mansoor. That was my next point about yeah. Mansoor. I was thinking about this on Friday coming out of the show. I think that at some point we should put him in a mid-card title match, IC or US, and let him win. And if you take it, if you take it off him when, yeah. he come, when we come back to the States, but give him a title win, but a US or Intercontinental and then if you want to make a change sooner than later, do it. But give him a win. I like me some Mansoor. I am, uh, I'm not ready to give him the Intercontinental Championship. I'm not going to agree with you there. Jack, a lot of shows left. We're going to keep talking about WWE and Saudi, but we're going to get, we're going to go through it really quick. We got NXT to talk about, SmackDown, AEW, a lot more. Before we do it, a quick word from our friends and sponsors. All right, Jack, we're back. Uh, so finishing up here on WWE in Saudi Arabia, the event ends. I think people were mildly pleased despite the criticisms that we mentioned earlier. I did think the tag team turmoil was pretty good. The battle Royal sucked, but uh, certainly Carrillo and, and styles was fine. So it was overall an acceptable event. Whereas some of the other uh, crown jewel events and other blood money in the sand events were just, especially the first one, the first one was horrible. Uh, were really just like, like patronizing and, and yeah. you know, didn't really give you much to sink your teeth into. We actually just broke it down because those topics, even for the worst end of them, like Fury and, and Velasquez, they were newsworthy and they were things that we needed to talk about. What ended up also being newsworthy is the fact that WWE, a uh, majority, vast majority of its talent, crew, and other people ended up stranded in Saudi Arabia. Um, now, not to quote a turn of phrase from Conrad Thompson, but I don't want to get too much into the rumor and innuendo on this, primarily because it is my personal opinion, and you can agree with me or you cannot, I feel a lot of it has not been handled well um, by those covering professional wrestling. I, I this, yeah, th here's, here's really quick. Sure. This was an area where wrestling blogs need to GTFO. It, the amount of speculation without confirmation, and it's one thing to speculate on a guy being hired or fired in the company, uh, or Sasha Banks and Bailey, you know, rolling around the floor crying that they lost women's tag team titles. For the most part, that's all in, I don't want to say good fun because these are people's careers, but it's fair in some ways. When you're dealing with a major American company and American celebrities and, and, Worldwide celebrities, let's not forget, in a foreign dictatorship, and there is a travel issue, what is irresponsible to do journalistically is to wildly speculate. If you want to take tweets from talent that are there, that are unhappy, and conflate those into being that they're being held hostage, or if some of the talents that are there are messaging you as a journalist, say, I'm not happy. I don't believe the story they're telling us. I can tell you that I have been in a travel situation. I was not in Saudi Arabia, but I was on a, a group trip. This was in, uh, I think it was middle school or high school, actually. And we got stuck somewhere. We weren't able to travel. 
And in the group of people that we were in, teachers and students and stuff like that, we speculated about what was happening. Why aren't we able to go here? Why aren't we able to do this? Imagine that heightened halfway across the world in a dictatorship, a place where they've had terrorist attacks at their airport. So there is military police naturally at the country's main airport um, or the, the city's main airport. And you have all these superstars with social media, with the ability to contact journalists saying, you know, we're, we're scared or maybe they weren't scared, but we think there may be something more nefarious going on here than just travel delays in terms of mechanical issues or pilot issues or whatever the case might be. And all of this speculation starts rolling around and then you have people on the internet who want to hate WWE and the IWC, and we mentioned it last week, Jack, with the Jordan Miles situation, are looking for any possible reason to crap on this company, good, bad, real, fake. And all of this stuff gets conflated into a huge rumor that the WWE talent was basically held against their will and not allowed to leave Saudi Arabia because Vince McMahon got, didn't get paid, which he did, uh, or, or, or got into a money fight with MBS, right? And it just got so out of control that as someone whose job here with CBS Sports is as a journalist – and this is fun. We do this podcast. We talk about wrestling. This is fun. But as someone whose profession, who went to school for this, it really bothered me. There is a reason why mainstream media did not pick up on this story. Because you can bet if the NFL had a football game in Saudi Arabia and the players were not allowed to leave and there was something nefarious happening, the Associated Press, us at CBS Sports, ESPN, uh, uh, Reuters, uh, router, not Reuters, what the hell? Readers. Thank you, Readers. Uh, everyone would be jumping on this story and trying to report it in terms of factual. And you know what? Something may still come out here. But you're talking about an airline coming out with a statement saying there were mechanical issues. So if they were lying, that is is another corporation lying for WWE and for a foreign government. Then you're talking about WWE coming out and this is what is being alleged. WWE coming out and lying, saying it's mechanical issues. And the belief, the people that are your sourcing for this are superstars who are angry that they're stuck in a foreign country they don't want to be in, uh, you know, for an extended period of time. So I am not trying to carry WWE's water on this at all. I think the fact that they came out with a press release about, you know, solidifying their relationship with Saudi Arabia was an awful taste coming out of this. I think that the statement from WWE's PR team, which was very lacking and saying, yeah, there were mechanical issues, everything's fine. I think that was lacking. Um, but I also don't want to just jump to conclusions and buy in that, this horrible thing happened, and Vince McMahon, who you may not like him, you may not think he books well, you may think he's, you know, doesn't pay his talent as much as he should, but there have been zero examples that I can remember of him putting his talent purposely in a dangerous situation or not looking out for the guys and girls under his watch and thinking he just left them high and dry on purpose that knowing this was going to happen. I don't believe that. I do. But that oh that Vince was see I know you didn't want to get in the room or anyone but I got to play the role of BC here you're right I believe I believe that because there were other reports from from legitimate media outlets that the Saudi government has been a little lax with their business dealings yes, with other people that's a different and payments topic. that's a different so topic. when somebody said Vince didn't get his money I said that makes sense I said that he wasn't paid for these shows and then when I saw that it he aired was, on a he delay was, well hold on two things one he was paid it was late but he was paid. I was paid, but at the time, and then the the pieces did add up. Now, there were some stories that went way beyond the realm of possibility, but 
I mean, when you put when you put everything together, do you absolutely believe that the Saudi government's like, look, we can't do anything drastic here, but if we just ground that plane for a little bit, and the boss isn't here, we'll ground those guys and gals for a little bit, and ha ha, there, like you screwed us. I'm not saying money. I'm not saying it's not impossible. I'm not saying that's not what happened. I want to be very clear here. I do believe it. I believe it. I'm not saying, but this is what I'm saying. I'm not saying I don't believe that's what happened. What I'm saying is I don't trust the reporting on what's happening when it's based on wrestlers who are angry that they're stuck in Saudi Arabia and, and that, okay. And that Carl Anderson's wife is on Twitter saying, I want my husband home. And Carl Anderson's like, I want to come home. Yeah, no shit. If I was stuck in Saudi Arabia, I want to get the hell out of there as soon as I don't want to go there in the no, first place. They were on they were on that plane for seven hours. Yes. Now Could you imagine being stuck in a plane for seven hours? People my mind. People are. That happens. And again, I'm not saying that is what legitimately happened here. I'm not saying that they were there were mechanical issues. I'm simply saying, in order to say that there weren't, you're calling a lot of people liars. Two companies. Okay. And a number of wrestlers who have come out and said, look, as far as my vantage point, and yeah, they're carrying WWE's water. Of course they are, but have come out and said, as far as I could tell, they were mechanical issues. I don't yeah, know anything beyond the people. Oh, it was Natalia, AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Of course. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm simply, sa- I'm simply saying I am not going to believe that there were way more nefarious things out there based on speculation. If you want to give me reporting, sourced reporting, and write a story and tell me this is what happened in Saudi Arabia. I'm in because I trust and, I trust real journalism. But pure speculation, which is what this was, and unfounded, and I'm, I'm hearing 17 different stories. I'm not sure which is true. Then you don't come out with it. That's not how and, it works. But here's the thing. We're, we might not be – like you said it, real journalism. We might not be done here. Oh, yeah, right. I agree. A few weeks from now, we may open up the New York Times. Yes. And they may say – Holy shit, here's what happened between W because we took weeks upon weeks upon weeks of research, exactly. delved into this, and like it, holy shit, here's what happened, and right. you're never gonna believe this. And then but no, like I like do you not think and this is like you, you, you nailed it. Dave comes, I'm not gonna listen to him. Like, like, like you nailed it, Jack, and that's exactly my point. I'm not concerned about and I'm not trying to call him out individually at all, but with Dave or post wrestling or Hugo Savanovich says on a on a, go, on a yeah, live stream was, and by the way and by the way condolences to him he lost his wife i'm very sorry about yeah. that but i'm not taking that word to put this huge major semi-scandal on wwe what i want is what you said if if this stuff happened you can bet your ass the new york times the washington post financial papers uh middle eastern papers yeah. al jazeera etc are going to research and report this story i think Something very well may have happened, but I'm not going to believe it based yeah. on the speculation I've seen to this point. I don't think that's fair to anybody. That's all I'm trying to say. Speculation is human nature. It's in our it's in our DNA, and especially when, it, when you work in a field where you and I do, right? You're you're you spe- you're going to speculate on everything. Like I said, it, it, it's a, it's a habitual reaction, yeah. to, especially to something like this. But yeah, what we want and what we need, and again. We very we may very well get it, but the thing is, when it's accurately done and done correctly, you we might not get this until January. Exactly, exactly. From and, a legitimate sense, and when we say, do, okay, here's and, what we got. And when we do, and if this story does come out, and if if this is what actually happened, I will be the first one to crap all over. Maybe even boycott. 
who the hell knows what we're going to do, right? Or what we're going to say or how we're going to feel. But I'm not going to take that stance based on, you know, I don't know, six wrestlers saying this, you know, I don't believe this and I'm angry and I'm, and and I'm stuck in a foreign country. I don't want to be in. And I only came here in the first place to get paid. Like, the only th- the the last thing I'll say about this because I because we, we gotta I know we gotta move on. We do, we do. I really thought that this was the beginning of the process of WWE getting out of that damn Me too. partnership. Me too. I really thought I said here it is, and I don't know how long it's going to take, but this is the way out. This is the exit door. Yep. And then they released that statement yesterday, and I flipped my damn phone across yeah. the room and said, screw this, I'm done. You know, I I hope nothing happened to the talent in Saudi Arabia that was nefarious. I hope I hope. As a human being, everything WWE said, what the airline company said, I hope all that's true. There were mechanical issues. There were pilot issues. They couldn't get them out on a big plane, especially when you consider that multiple other flights left, including that group of 20 superstars that did get out. So the others clearly weren't grounded if they allowed another plane to get out, right? So all of that stuff plays into like, well, why did three private jets get to leave or four? And then another plane with 20 superstars get to leave, but the big one couldn't. Why would they just keep that big one there? So those are all reasons why I don't fully believe the quote-unquote speculation on this. But look, if it did happen, if if these people were held back, then that should have been the end of this relationship. If that didn't happen and they doubled down and they reaffirmed, I still don't like it, but it's okay. But if they doubled doubled down after that happened, that is as despicable as it gets. But again, Jack, but what are we saying? Speculation. It's not fair. And I just hope you understand my perspective. I think you and I are very aligned on this. It's just a, a difference of what do I choose to believe today? And right now I'm not yeah. all the way in the camp of the speculation. I'm more in the camp I am. of the yeah. real story. We're on opposite sides of the fence here. which uh, is of, okay. of, it's, As of but, today. But I think we both agree like but I want both, real reporting on this. But we both agree that at some point if there are answers to be given, we're going to get those answers. And either one of us is going to be validated somewhat correct. And you know what? It may even come even if it's, but, but it's not even one of us being validated or not. Cause I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying I'm 55, 60% on the side that it didn't happen. Yeah. I still think that there's a very good chance that something nefarious went on here. I just, I choose to believe that that would be a huge scandal if that was the case. Uh, as we move on here, uh, I think we should go to a DM and yes, folks, Soundboard's back. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? It is, John. Matt DiNapoli at Matt DiNap. He's a first-timer, at least as far as I'm concerned, in terms of sending a DM. Really good question, and we do need to move through this quick. We have a lot of show left, and I don't, I'm not even exaggerating. Why do wrestlers today tell fans not to worry about what goes on behind the scenes and just enjoy the show? But when fans don't enjoy the show, wrestlers say that we don't understand and appreciate what goes on behind the scenes. Oh, there are definitely there are definitely some who do that. Yeah. Yes, and it's a great question. It's a great question, and it doesn't actually need an answer because you found the hypocrisy right there. Um, This is the truth. A lot more stuff goes on behind the scenes than the public knows. Even the public that is the IWC that reads up on everything, you know, Dave and PW Insider and all these guys report. Much of it correct, some of it occasionally not. At the same time, just because you have that knowledge. (laughs) doesn't mean you actually know what goes on day to day inside of a company. You just don't. So you think you do. And a lot of fans are more informed than wrestlers like to admit that they are. But just because you have a piece of the pie doesn't mean you have the entire thing. Matt Hardy came out on Twitter this week and basically was like, 
hey, you know how everyone was speculating that Christian was supposed to be the one who I saw that last who, who night. killed Jeff or, or you know tried to kill Jeff, uh, however many years ago. That was never the plan. It was me. And I remember those rumors. Yeah, and people thought that for like ten years. So you think you know, but oftentimes you don't. We think we know. We're, we're talking about wrestling. We speculate here too. There's just a difference between reporting speculation and speculating speculation for entertainment, which is clearly what this podcast is all about. Jack, WWE responded to this weird Saudi Arabia situation with what I tweeted was definitely the best SmackDown since March, probably the best SmackDown all year. And if I'm being honest, I think it was the best WWE show all year and maybe the best American professional wrestling TV show of the year of 2019, I'm saying. If I'm being honest, because I keep thinking about what was better than that, and I really can't think about it. Brock Lesnar starts the show, quits SmackDown, moves to Raw with Paul Heyman, and Heyman makes the explanation, the simplest explanation that is ever needed. Brock Lesnar can do whatever the hell Brock Lesnar wants to do, and he wants Ray, but he can't get Ray on Friday nights because he's on Raw. Hero for me. You agree? Yeah, that was great because... It, it it ties into Lesnar's character. Like you can't just do like you can't do that with Roman Reigns. You can't say right. why did we move Roman? Roman. That's Brock Lesnar's character. He does what he wants when he wants. I quit because I want to kill that little bastard. And then follows up Raw by trying to kill that little bastard, trying to find him. And then you have one of the all time Ray Mysterio moments, in my opinion, chopping down the beast. Look, I don't know what's in those Colombian stem cells that Ray got. Yeah, I don't know what's in those. But this Ray Mysterio, for all the years I've watched him. This is one of my favorite Rey Mysterios. Yeah. I love this man. It's, it's good. The promos are good. He looks like he's 32 years old. It's absolutely in. Columbia stem cells, baby. Absolutely incredible. But the main part of the SmackDown show was the NXT invasion. Uh, you saw NXT interrupt throughout the entire show. You had Shayna Baszler interfere after Bailey beat uh, Nikki Cross to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, she took out Cross, took out Banks, took out Bailey. Uh, you saw the women's tag match. It was Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox, I believe, I want to say, yeah, um, yeah, winning that women's tag match against Fire and Desire after beating up Carmella and wh- whoever the hell her opponent was backstage. Um, and you had Champa beating The Miz clean after a really good mic segment between those two. I think we can all agree that was great. The main event, though, is what we should really be talking about, which is Daniel freaking Bryan, Adam Cole for the NXT Championship, and Daniel Bryan... Being the Daniel Bryan that Daniel Bryan is, really being the Bryan Danielson that Daniel Bryan is, putting over Adam Cole clean with finishers in the center of and the ring. He loves it. He Bryan loves it. I got I got a DM slide. I don't have the name. I'm very sorry, very very sorry. Uh, but he asked, "Is Daniel Bryan the Wrestler of the Year in 2019?" Coming out of our conversation yesterday, and look, I thought he was up until WrestleMania. Afterward, it was a struggle storyline-wise, but he was from January through April, right? And now, all of a sudden, it's November. If he puts together November and December, it's going to be tough to argue because you don't have the New Japan guys, except for Osprey, and that's only really match quality, making a huge move. No one in AEW is is wrestler of the year, maybe Cody just overall, but he hasn't done enough really on TV, and really, WWE... Outside of Becky Lynch just being champion all year is struggling. So how awesome was this match for you? And how much do you believe that Daniel Bryan might be wrestler of the year in 2019? Boy, let me tell you, like you, you commented on Twitter. I, I, like I said, I was 
covering UFC 244. I was in a nice hotel in Midtown Manhattan. Oh, so Friday no night, yeah. I had time to myself. I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go enjoy the Midtown Manhattan nightlife tonight. That's all right. I happened to open my phone after a few beers, and the first thing I see is Daniel Bryan will face Adam Cole for the NXT champion. I quote tweeted and went, what? <laughs> and then Adam said, yeah, you picked the wrong night to miss. And then I had to, I scrolled back really quick, and I'm looking through what happened because I wasn't able to watch it live because I took some time to myself, and I went, oh, what the hell is happening on this show? But, no, this is, uh Yeah. Brian, Dan, Brian Danielson, I think people need to come to the realization. We're talking greatest of all time with this guy, pretty much. We are getting in well, that territory. on the way. On the way. We, we are getting, yeah. like, legitimately, an entire WrestleMania was built around this man. When is the, when is the last time that happened? When's, when's mm. the next time we're going to see that again? Mm. An entire show was built around him. And the 30th of all things. Yeah. yeah. Retires. Because he's forced to. Gets, comes back. No, no, he, no. I'm pausing you. Doesn't come back. Fights his ass off. Fights his ass off to get rehabs, back. Rehabs. Does, does, does things no one's ever done before rehab-wise to get back. And, but no, we, we are. And I don't know what kind of feuds he's going to have. Like, it seems like we're headed towards a Nakamura one. Like, on right, like right. non-Survivor Series programming. But no, this this dude and it, it's shit. The match with Buddy Murphy put over Buddy Murphy clean as a sheet. I think he put over Ali. Am I right about that? Also, but, but, but Brian Danielson, when we're talking about a great wrestler, he also knows his role at this point in his career, and he embraces it and he enjoys it. Right. His thing is, I'm here to put over these young guys. I had my time in the sun, so I'm going to work, do my job because I'm better than everybody else at it. Bar none. There, there's nobody on this planet better than him no. right now. No. It's crazy. Anybody yeah. says my job now is to make them look like a million bucks, and he knocks it out of the park every damn time. While still being so over that you can insert him into a main event feud, you can give him the title at any given time, and it's going to yep. completely work. And I hope they realize that. I hope they don't forget this guy should be part of that title rotation picture consistently. And I don't know how they get there. Maybe there's Daniel Bryan the Fiend. There's things, we might get that. There's things that you can figure out with Daniel Bryan the Fiend to maybe make Daniel Bryan win that match. I don't know what they're going to do, um, but Daniel Bryan, it was extremely impressive. We didn't even say it. The match was fantastic. Like when Seth Rollins said on Raw last night to Triple H, I understand. Story. I'm better than Daniel Bryan. I cackled on the couch. Yeah. I started laughing. I said, yeah. Seth, no, no, don't even put that Seth had, in. Seth had, three, Seth had three weeks. Let's be honest. He had three weeks where it was like, oh, my God, Seth, this guy's real. But that's it. And I, over, like, and I overreacted during those three weeks. Uh, but you're you're right. That comment couldn't really hold water. And honestly, no. and honestly, you saw it in the matches. The Daniel Bryan Adam Cole match was incredible for a, a WWE TV match. Seth Rollins Cole was good too. I'm not saying it wasn't. And it, it just wasn't nearly as good as Daniel Bryan. Me of all people, I did not know this until I looked back. That was the first time Adam Cole and Bryan ever wrestled. I I actually fully assumed that just because of the age difference. I thought they may have met up in that little break somewhere, but no, never met once. And I was like, oh, so the first time, I, that's pretty cool. Kentucky Long Rifle, what is that, an email? It is, John. We got Sean McDermott at I'm Bored Brother che checking in. Raw fell flat for whatever reason. Was it the crowd or NXT storyline feeling <laughs> forced rather than natural on SmackDown? However, it has me fired up for NXT tomorrow. We taped this on Tuesday, so she's talking about Wednesday. Uh, is that probably part of the goal of the pay-per-view to get NXT boosted? I was even fired up for Raw thoughts. Uh, the goal of adding NXT to Survivor Series is to boost NXT. The goal of the NXT invasion of Raw and SmackDown is to boost NXT. I thought it was very weird. They had a great NXT invasion on SmackDown. 
I could be wrong. I don't ever remember a promo being aired. I know it's on Fox, not USA, where the announcers even mentioning that you can watch NXT every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on, on USA Network. Did not mention it. Now on Raw, they hit you over the head with it because it is USA yeah. Network and they could, can do that without having to buy ad time or do anything like that. Um, so that was very clear. Raw did fall flat for me. I think uh, the NXT invasion was special on SmackDown. We watched that show not knowing what the hell was going to happen with the travel issues with WWE. They boosted it. They had Morrow and other people go on Twitter and say, you need to watch. This is going to be a great show. And then they delivered. I, I gave it the platitudes earlier. That was one of the greatest WWE TV shows I've seen in all of 2019. And I don't know, in quite some time, the crowd was hot for it. It was a, I think it was a Buffalo, New York. That was a, yeah. da- that was a damn good show. The Long, Long Island crowd on Monday sucked. The last three Raw crowds have sucked. The last two Raws, you and I, I think, agreed last week, have been very good. It's clear that they're going in a certain direction, that Paul Heyman is leading them. You saw it this week again with Buddy Murphy. We'll talk about him in a little bit. They're going in this direction where wrestling matters and they're trying to give us a good show. But if the crowd reactions aren't there, then Paul is going to have a really tough argument to make with Vince McMahon, which says to me, folks, if you're listening to this show and you go to a WWE Raw, give the good matches and the good segments the heat that they deserve. Otherwise, you're not giving Vince a reason to keep giving them to you. It's a reason why AEW feels so good on TV. The crowd buys into a dropkick. The crowd buys into... Uh, you know, a, a submission maneuver that you know the guy's not going to tap out, but they still want to get the face, you know, back up off the canvas. They help him along. The AEW crowd and the NXT crowd and the SmackDown crowd even on Friday night made those makes those shows actively better. And the Raw crowd does not. I stand by that. Nassau Coliseum, like WWE in New York, is always a great time. But the Nassau Coliseum tradition, like Evolution, was a great pay per view last year by the women. The crowd oh, yeah, was kind of meh. Like, we were like, wait, this is a great show these women are putting on. This is fantastic. And they were just kind of like, meh. Like, Long Island's never Like, been. I feel like you could give them Sasha Banks, Io Shirai, and they would just like. Yeah, like, it's like, like, yeah, that was, that was pretty like cool. Like, politely clap, you know? And we've talked about it. It does hurt the product. It, it, it does. It really does. The, the f- I, I, I wasn't as down on Raw last night as you were. I thought it was a good show. Now, on par with the last couple weeks? Absolutely not. Um, oh, no, no. There- I'm not saying it was bad. It was down yeah. from the last two weeks. And because SmackDown was great, yeah. but like it I felt said, it wasn't as exciting. Last night, I wrote the, like I wrote in the recap was you know, a hook to tune into NXT, which I, I think for me is the most exciting thing about wrestling this week is tuning in tomorrow to NXT because for the first time for me, legitimately, NXT has really given me a reason to go to USA instead of TNT. It definitely has. Uh, so with that. Survivor Series is Raw, SmackDown, NXT. That is newsworthy, something that happened. Um, I think the card is shaping up fine. I think the idea of treating NXT like a real third brand, but as an invading third brand is yeah. smart because they're not on par with Raw and SmackDown for the casual viewer. And you hear it from the crowd where there's like 40% are going baby for Adam Cole and everyone else is like, what are you doing? Because they don't watch the product. They don't so, know. So this, they're doing a really good job bringing them in. I think the Becky Lynch... Shayna Baszler Bailey match will steal the show. I'm not oh, even. Oh, that exchange last night, it was, man. It was hot. It was a sick segment. Um, I think that's going to steal the show. The tag match will be fine. And I like very much, uh, Jack, that they're doing Brock Lesnar, Rey Mysterio for the WWE Championship and not doing a forced Brock fiend Adam Cole where Adam Cole just, you know, he's taking that mandible claw and losing. Like, yeah. it's just going to happen. So I like that they're doing that. Uh, do you agree? Do you like the card so far? 
I do. I do like it so far because, like you said, the Brock Ray thing, it's become a time-honored tradition at Survivor Series. Brock Lesnar against the little guy, and it turns out to be one of the best matches of the year. And now we're getting Brock Lesnar against the ultimate little guy in a rejuvenated Rey Mysterio, so this is going to be one of the best matches of the year. I'll guarantee it right now. That's going to be one of the best matches of the year. When we're done this year and we look back, we're going to say Brock and Ray from Survivor Series. Brock, Home run. Brock Lesnar versus talented, much smaller opponent. Four, Always great. Four-star minimum. It just is. Remember Remember what he did, how he went out of his way for Brian last year? Yeah. He made Brian look like a murderer. Yep. Brian, that that match was incredible. It really was. But no, the the card is shaping out great. The women's match is going to be, oh, so fantastic. The the tag team match, even a nice mix. The big Viking Raiders. Yeah. The heel undisputed era. The old school revival. Yeah. Like, this is going to be terrific stuff. And we still have more to come. Like, probably a five-on-five men's match. Five-on-five-on-five men's match. Five-on-five-on-five. It's, that's going to be insane. Five on five a 15-man elimination Survivor Series match? But this is also where it's that's good sick. because one of the things we talk about with WWE so much is they soak up talent from the independent right. scene and all around and everything is we say the roster is so deep. So here's a show where they're taking the time to showcase the amount of talent they actually have under contract. That's the thing. NJPW, they may have the best five wrestlers in the world. Uh, AEW, they may be the hot thing right now. We have the best roster, and we're going to show it to you. We're going to show it. And, and they're going to do it at a major pay-per-view. People forget, Survivor Series almost went away. When it came back, uh, it was crap, basically. It was just WWE saying, all right, we'll keep doing Survivor Series, whatever. But the latest incarnation, the brand versus brand Survivor Series, have been damn good shows, and it is a credit to WWE that they are so good. Kentucky Long Rifle! What is that, an email? Absolutely, John. Camp Calhoun at Camp Calhoun. How, are we, how worried are we? Uh, about the use of NXT talent on the main roster, ruining the War Games build like Vince's impromptu NXT call-ups before WrestleMania slash should we care given how good it's been? Uh, very simple answer. I'm not worried at all about it affecting War Games. My concern would be someone getting hurt at War Games My, and, well, yeah, and then affecting Survivor Series. It depends. It depends on how much they want to really run with this invasion thing because I do, like tomorrow, obviously, we are going to see – Someone or some people from Raw and or SmackDown show up at full. I, I said that last night. <laughs> I, I know. Kevin Owens I know, I know. is going to stone cold burst his way through that door. <laughs> yeah. And someone's getting hurt in full sail. Tomorrow oh, they're taking a, they're taking a power bomb on the ring apron. Yeah. Someone's yeah. getting hurt yeah. and he's going to send a message. But uh, no, because it's, it's a two hour show at NXT every week. But no, you are in a precarious position here because you have your own pay-per-view to build to. But you also have to mix in the main roster, so we're going to see how they can mix this in. It's it's going to be interesting. This could go either way. But I, I'm not concerned, though. The question is, I'm not concerned about it affecting TakeOver in terms of quality, and I am not concerned about Vince McMahon, quote-unquote, ruining NXT. These segments have been good. It's clear. Look, a thing came out that Vince McMahon booked SmackDown, but Triple H ran the show. I mean, that's Triple H booking. That's NXT booking that show. It was... Uh, I'm not concerned about NXT talent on the main roster. The NXT segments, even Monday, were good. Uh, yep. we, we didn't even really talk about it. We don't need to. But Triple H's uh, promo at the end of SmackDown, that was awesome. Um, His callbacks in these promos. The, the DX callbacks were sick. So so Triple H is doing a good job. NXT is doing a good job. You know, I know in the past, Silver King was a worry wart. I'd get concerned about things before they happened. I am not worried about NXT. They're on TV. Two hours live every week. The shows have been great. The invasion angle has been doing, doing done very well so far. Let's leave well enough alone and stop complaining. Okay, Jack, a lot of show left, as I've said many times. We're moving on to preview AEW full gear. But before we do, Kentucky Long Rifle, what is that, an email? 
we have Heavy Metal Moron. That is his name, not mine for him. At S-A-E-N-Z underscore 2112. This is another first-time DMer. Uh, here's an ESPN question for you. I don't know what that means. Uh, is AEW truly that good? Or is it that WWE is currently confused? Parentheses season two product is truly that bad. I will say I think AEW is truly that good. What's your take? My take is AEW is fresh. The storylines are exciting. They've done a very good job booking their first few shows. The wrestling is, is generally very good. But as I've said, I'm just going to repeat it. I think the fans make AEW seem better and different and more exciting than it actually is. To me, it's professional wrestling. Some of it is really good. Some of it I really don't enjoy. Um, and I also simultaneously do agree with the DMer in that WWE, during this crown jewel build, as I mentioned on prior shows, it's their worst booking period of the entire year. Immediately coming out of WrestleMania generally, which is also another Saudi Arabia time slot, and then building to the Saudi Arabia time slot in the fall. The, the booking gets convoluted. It ruins their normal progressions of their storylines. So I think WWE, with the Saudi Arabia crap, the bad headlines, um, the bad storytelling with Baron Corbin for three months, swung open a door for AEW to step in and say, we're a very similar product, but we're not going to be convoluted and stupid. And I think that's what you're saying. No, I, I I agree that AEW really is that good, but it's different. And again, to your point, like I said a few weeks ago, yeah, the fans make it, but the fans need to realize they are as much a part of the pro wrestling experience as the talent, as the people making the booking decisions. And I wish these rock rounds would figure that out because without the fans, you have nothing. Correct. It's all about the fans. There's a reason why NXT, even though it's in a tiny arena, still somewhat works. It's because of the fans. And if you had fans, like the Street Profits come out on Raw, they get no reaction, right? If they, when they come out on SmackDown, the crowd goes, uh, on Raw, on, uh, sorry, NXT, I'm sorry. Uh, the crowd goes absolutely nuts for them, right? Yeah. When, when someone comes in to break up a fight, the crowd on NXT goes nuts for Finn Balor when they hear his music. For, on Raw, when Ricochet comes out, it's like, oh, cool. Couple people cheer and stand up. It's not a big deal. So, or they laugh at that dumbass ricochet. Sound. Yeah, I know. At the start, I hate that too. Uh, so, the fans are just important to the show as the wrestlers and the booking and the storytelling. It always has been that way. One of the reasons Raw was so great in the Attitude Era was the fans were absolutely insane, and the signs you couldn't see if you were in the crowd, but you knew it was crazy and what was going on because of all the signs. So, fans matter. Uh, AEW Full Gear Preview, Jack. Before we get to the actual matches, I think there's only four announced. I could be wrong, but. Uh, Talking about AEW Dynamite coming out of last week, SCU was crowned the first tag team champions ever in AEW, defeating the Lucha Bros. You think that was the right decision? I do, ultimately, because you know what? And here, people are going to disagree with this. I think that Pentagon and Phoenix were good to introduce to an American audience as a tag team, which has been the case for most of this year. However, they're better off as single stars, the brothers. And people probably don't realize this. Pentagon and Phoenix haven't been a tag team their whole careers. They've been single stars. Right. They've, they've only recently joined up to say, all right, well, we'll form a tag team. I think sort of like the ricochet Alistair Black deal before WrestleMania, this was a good way to introduce them both to a new audience. But I think that should end soon. And I think they should go their separate ways and become single stars. Pentagon, that bastard heel that he could be just oh, vicious. The best. And Phoenix being the big baby face. 
So SCU for right now, I'm okay with it. So I do agree with you. My concern about AEW, and it's not a bad concern, they have a lot of really damn talented male singles performers. It is their true strength. Even the tag teams, I know they say they have the best tag team division. I don't believe that at all. Even if you count the Lucha Brothers, it helps. And LAX and Young Bucks are great. Like that uh, trio is fantastic. But I don't believe they have the best tag team division in wrestling right now. Um, But their male singles division for a new company with one title is fantastic. But if you take Pentagon and Phoenix, and then you have Moxley and Pac and Omega Mm -hmm. and Cody and Jericho, and Hager and and but also don't forget they're probably going to introduce a mid card title well, at some point. That, man, you're beating me to the punch here. What I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, right now it would almost be too much because you need to cycle through Moxley and Pac and some of these guys and Omega. And it's like, well, if you have two more that fans know are deserving of title shots, what the hell are you going to do with them? And look, they can book, they can book. It's it's been proven they've done a really good job so far. But there is something also to be said. You can plan when you book. And I don't know how long they planned out. I think they planned out, they said, for like nine months or so or maybe a year. Yep. But at some point, you have to adjust and people get hurt and things happen. So I don't exactly know where they're going to go. Uh, but SU is first t- tag team champs. I'm totally fine with it. Deserving really good guys. You're talking again, Scorpio Sky, another guy who can be a singles performer down the line. When did they make that move? So a lot of interesting stuff in the tag division. Also from Dynamite, uh, the Rick and Morty stuff, Meh. you know, admittedly. Don't watch the show. Never have seen it. I know it, it's popular. I was exp- It was explained to me it's not nearly as popular as it once was. It took away from me. It turned the stuff into a joke. I thought it was terrible. I'm not trying to be Jim Cornette here. I'm just saying I really didn't like it. No, I didn't either. Maybe because I don't watch Rick and Morty. I mean, but that wasn't my most confusing part. That wasn't we, the most confusing part of my night. We will get but. to that confusing part very, very soon. Before we do. Yeah, because I have a hot take that's going to get people pissed off at me. I can't wait. Before we do, we're going to go down the card, and it's the second match on the card that you'll be able to talk about. AEW Championship. Chris Jericho coming in as the champion against Cody. Uh, and there's going to be three ringside judges in case it goes to a time limit draw. Uh, Right off the bat, I'll just say two things. I think Chris Jericho retains the title. I know Cody's hot as hell right now, but I think taking the title off Jericho so quickly is weird when you're trying to establish the title as something really important. I think the judges, I know they're trying to be different. Um, It's a way to put famous faces, maybe DDP, maybe, you know, Rock and Roll Express, whoever the hell they're going to get. It's a way to get famous faces there and pop the crowd. I appreciate that. I respect that. Um... But you've already established that time limit draws are real. So now you're saying they're not for a world title match. I don't like the idea of a professional wrestling match being decided by judges if you do get to that, which you would expect at some point that would happen if you're going to introduce this concept. The judges are zero for me. The match is going to be hero. I think they're going to work great together. And I think Jericho retains. Yeah, that's good. I don't I I love the idea of the judges if and I said this on Twitter, if you keep it consistent. Like the don't this isn't this shouldn't be just be a gimmick. If you tell me that every world title match, the men's tag team and the women's oh, will have judges wow. just in case. Like everything that is for a prize is going to be decided on that night one way or another, I'm okay with that. Don't just make this a stupid gimmick for a one-off. Then I'm okay with it. If Chris Jer I any surprises to this point, if Chris Jericho in the year 2019, wrestle 60 minutes He's on not, Saturday. He can't. There's no if that goes, if Chris Jer, if Christopher Jericho wrestles 60 minutes, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
Like I said, hell in a cell. Remember I said I had to get up and walk out of the house? I will have to get up and walk out of the house before I talk to anyone yeah. and just think about what I just saw. But AEW is good at making you think you're going to see one thing and you get another. I don't think the judges are going to come into play here because no. this isn't going 60 minutes. I think it's I th- not. I think it's just a way to pop the crowd before the match. Yeah, wait, to, to get this names. isn't going 60 minutes. You're, we you're, will see one, I think, with judges that don't have to go. This won't be it. They're, yeah. they're baiting you a little It's bit. also a possible way they can maybe do like – DDP, Arn Anderson, and Malenko, and two of those are obviously in Cody's camp. And yeah. maybe Jericho gets thrown into them, and one of them yeah. punches him. So yeah. it does create stuff, but if I want to know if this is going to be consistent or not. Is it only a pay-per-view thing? Is it only a world title thing? Um, it just – look, judges work in combat sports because people – human beings are actually fighting. In, yeah. in wrestling, it's fake. We know it's predetermined. It, you don't need to then predetermine a judge's thumbs-up, thumbs-down, Chuck Norris dodgeball style for me. It, it just – it's not going to really work for me. So uh, we'll see, though. I- I'm open-minded. And, and Jericho retains, obviously. And Jericho retains. Uh, John Moxley, Kenny Omega in an unsanctioned match. I thought Moxley cut a fantastic promo on Wednesday. I think they did a really good job also showing him giving Tony Khan the business behind a closed door so Tony, Tony Khan is not exposed to the audience, which they said they wouldn't do. That brought a lot of realism into, into it for me. Um, but... I think they're going way overboard with every match being unsanctioned. Yes. It's really pissing me off. And I'm going to slightly steal your thunder, but I'm not going to talk long. I thought Kenny Omega looked like a dork on Wednesday night. Sick of this shit. All right, guys. You know what? Here's here's the deal. Kenny Omega being booked by Gato in Japan. Superstar. Just a massive, big attraction, drawn interest, best in the world. Kenny Omega booking himself. <laughs> absolutely sucks it sucks and i'm sorry for reason because i love kenny here's the deal say aew is never in existence or or say they decide not to go with it if kenny omega signed with wwe he would be presented as a much bigger legitimate star that doesn't come off as a nerd in WWE that he would hear getting the pencil himself and writing down, I want to wear this mask. And then having me doing the AEW recap, taking 15 minutes out of my time to figure out what the hell an undertale is. I I cannot believe, first of all, I can't believe you said that. But second of all, I can't believe I agree because, because here's the thing. I, 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 what they did with AJ styles. Kenny would have gotten the most money out of all of them. Had they all signed the elite. Kenny would have gotten millions. Yep. And he would have been a world champion by right now in WWE. He would have been presented fantastically. Booking himself is getting on my nerves. Now, I'm not mad that he's not a world champion. They say they have plans, and this is a long-term storyline. Fine. Okay? Yeah. If you don't want to make him world champ off the bat, fine. I thought they should have and established him as the best wrestler in the world. But if you don't want to, that's okay. Um. But for him to be booked the way he is and allow him to book himself and, and showcase himself the way he has been, it's – it's like like people talk about Seth Rollins looking like a dork and sounding like a dork. Kenny's – they're both dorks. They're both kind of dorks. And I don't say that as like the coolest guy ever. I'm, I'm just saying as a wrestling fan, these are guys that should be super cool. Like, and I'm aggravated because I, I – Kenny, I love you. I, I I love Kenny Omega. I do. I don't think he, the best. I didn't fawn over him like a lot of other people. I love Kenny. This sucks. <laughs> All right. Moving off of it. Uh, the Young Bucks are against, I think their name is Proud and Powerful, Santana Ortiz. This is all I have to say about this match because I, 
I thought the moment on Dynamite was really good with Santana and Ortiz in the Rick and Morty masks in the crowd. I thought it was the best usage of that stupid theme that they had, especially because Santana and Ortiz were there for a long time. They didn't just plant them right before. They were there for, like, I think multiple matches and segments. So that was pretty cool. But that was cool. I, you guys know I'm not a huge fan in ring of the Young Bucks, I will say. Uh, being the elite, this merch freak stuff with Matt and Nick, it is hysterical. I absolutely love it. But wrestlers, not in love. You know, I think it's a little too choreographed for me. But the only thing I really want to say about this match, because I don't care who wins, I don't think it really matters. I guess maybe Proud and Powerful should win, just because they're a faction and, and, you know, maybe Sammy Guevara helps and whatever. But if that name was in WWE, it would have been trending, just like Viking Experience was. People would have crapped on it. Vince McMahon's booking is terrible. His, he can't create characters. It's just like whatever. This is just as bad of a name as Shorty G and the Viking Experience. It is. And the fact that it's not getting the same criticism is astounding to me. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks that stupid-ass Impact Wrestling owns LAX because, you know, we could have all just moved on with our lives. You can come up with something similar. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really put a lot of thought into it. But uh, the, the one thing I like about the Bucks is that, you know, we talked about Kenny's crappy booking. The Bucks, I think, so far, they've won. They've they've won when they're supposed to win, and they've lost when they're supposed to lose. Yeah, like all, yeah. all the worries we had about these guys as EVPs and what's going to happen, they've done done well. I think they've done well with Cody again. Kenny, the, whatever. I'm done with that. But uh, no, LA. I see. I almost did it. Santana <laughs> Ortiz. You uh, you got to put these guys over because they're they're like they're the they're, they're the assassins of yeah. Jericho's the inner circle there. The pit bulls. So you you, you got to put them over the, the Bucks here because I think they're going to be the tag team champs so, sooner rather than later. The Young Bucks are already strong. I think you can make Santana and Ortiz look strong with a win. And you're right. They maybe should be the first challengers for SCU's titles. And maybe you even do a quick switch. You give yeah, SCU, quick switch. I would, I would, yeah, I think that's where this is you going. Give, anyway. You give SCU the first title because, you know, those guys are our part of the company and have worked very hard and deserve it. But then you do switch it to Santana Ortiz and have them with Jericho have the, the men's titles. And then create something coming out of that. Maybe that's yes. where they're going. Maybe it's not. Final match on this AEW Full Gear preview. Hangman Adam Page against Pac. Um, <laughs> before we get to that, uh, you are the biggest fan in the world of quote-unquote cowboy shit. Uh, Love uh, it. Uh, Page's line on AEW Dynamite. I will be honest. I thought it was a great promo. I think it's the best promo I've maybe ever heard him deliver. The only thing I, I dislike, and it's actually I have a, it's a bigger issue I have with you than it is with Hangman Page, is... That line was so pre-planned to sell so shirts, to sell shirts, so and you fell hook, line, and sinker for it. Epic, classic boy wrestling fan. But <laughs> I love Hangman Page so much because I love when a, when a gimmick works, but when a gimmick is also part of the real person. Like when, when it because that because Page is is that cowboy guy. When that guy get, cuts a wrestling promo and tells me I'm going to do cowboy shit to him at the pay-per-view, I pop big because I'm like, ah, that's him. Like, he would say that in real life. Absolutely. Who wins? Hangman. Yeah, he gets... I think I'm going gets, outside the box, Hangman. I think uh, Pac's got a couple wins. Pac, I should say, has had a couple wins. Uh, I think it's time for Hangman to kind of go yeah, over. Yeah, get, get a win. Get a win, go and over. And get back on track, yeah. Totally agree. Okay. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? Uh, from Len Anderson at Len Biggs. He said, do you guys think everyone is making too big a deal about AEW NXT ratings? WWE's goal is clearly only to keep 600 to 800,000 viewers from AEW, in my opinion. Uh, so to answer your question, 
yes, people are making too big a deal about it. Ratings don't matter nearly as much in 2019 as they did, you know, in 1999. Um, yeah. But ratings do matter. AEW is doing better than NXT. I think they deserve credit for that. They're a brand new promotion. NXT is something that was established. Um, I think it, there will be weeks where it gets closer. I think there may be weeks in the future where NXT surpasses it. I don't think that means anything bad for AEW. But, Len, you are correct. The reason that NXT is on USA is not necessarily to beat AEW. I think WWE probably thought it would and has maybe disappointed that it hasn't. But the reason it's on the network is to take live viewers away from AEW. And they're succeeding in doing that. As long as they keep six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, 900,000 and AEW doesn't get the additional two or 300,000 it would from the live broadcast, that's a win for WWE. And it's a win for USA Network, which is getting good ratings in that time slot. No, I, I agree. You can move on because I agree with everything you just said there. Okay. Uh, that means, and we really do have to go lightning round edition because there is a lot left. Hero or zero. All right. Uh, first up, Finn Balor on NXT Wednesday he said, I don't watch the business. The business watches me. Here were zero to a one-on-one match with Johnny Gargano and no involvement in Survivor Series. For me, that's a total, total hero. I think Balor coming back to NXT and saying he's going away from the bright lights and going back to Broadway, uh, which is what he said NXT was, is the right move. The promo was great. Him calling out Gargano one-on-one and not having to worry about a War Games match where he teams up for undispu- with Undisputed Era for really no good reason, that would be the worst move. So everything with Finn Balor continues to be a hero for me. Ah, oh, hero. Same. Love the transition. Can't wait to see where it goes. All right, Jack, we've seen two completely different matches with the Kabuki Warriors. First on Wednesday night against Team Kick, uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. And then on Monday night against Natalia and Charlotte Flair in a long, boring match that ended with Natalia beating Asuka via submission hero or zero to whether the booking for the kabuki warriors makes any sense to you whatsoever it's all confusing because what like what were you telling me last night that charlotte and natty are a tag team now because you want to keep charlotte away from the world i get i get you want to keep charlotte out of any world title picture for now because it'll get too much for people i get that but a tag team with natty is that where is that where you're going here i think they wanted to give natalia a win on tv after she won in saudi I don't know why they did it this way. I don't know why they didn't have Natalia just beat another woman one on one. Yeah, but so but, zero- uh, but but I mean at the same time though, Adam, there doesn't seem to be any kind of concrete plan for Charlotte. I there's a possibility that they might be thinking about this, about throwing those two together as a tag team and well win over the champions. I, it's possible. It's possible. And, and the Kabuki Warriors, candidly, don't need to keep the titles forever. And we do want to see Becky Lynch versus Asuka. You know, we want that feud. So it wouldn't yeah. be the worst thing if that happens. But they just established them by kicking out Paige. They had a really good segment a couple weeks ago. The match on Wednesday was really good. But Asuka just looked like slow and sloppy. And, and not just Asuka. Natalia, and she was traveling and she's tired. The match just wasn't good on Monday night. Um, two, co- two commercials. Are you for, kidding me? Yeah, for four women who are really good in the ring. And people you guys know I like, it's more like I respect Natalia more than I like her as a wrestler. But for four women that are really good wrestlers in WWE, four of the best, you would say, it just was a really bad match and it was really strange to me. Uh, they're going to go with the first ever women's war games, actually a story we broke here at CBS Sports. Um, 
and they announced it on NXT uh, Wednesday night. They're also potentially going to a War Games match on the men's side, although that is a little bit confusing. We hope to figure out more of that this upcoming Wednesday on NXT. Um, I'm down for the first women's War Games, Jack. I think the tag teams on each side, tag is the wrong word, the five women teams on each side seem pretty good. It looks like it's going to be the three horse women, uh, Bianca Belair and Io Shirai. Io Shirai in a War Games match. I can't even wait. I mean, holy cow. No, I, 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 lo- um, I love this. The, I, I was pausing for the zipper sound. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it one more time. I didn't even hear the zipper. Yeah, it's not, oh, it's not, as, it's not as good as, as BC zipper, but... Uh, I legit didn't hear it. No, it's fine. It's fine. We'll get there. Um, but but uh, <laughs> but I think the the faces side is good too. I my my guess is they're going to add Mia Yim. So it's a hero for me. I'm excited to see it. Uh, how do you feel? Yeah, bro. I, it's funny. Go back and listen to last week's podcast. The day before we broke the show, I said to you, I said, are they yeah. going to do women's war games? And then the very next day, we break the story. I, um, no, I, I like it. I like it. And but the thing is, the women in NXT they have enough ta- talented women in NXT to pull this off. Uh, my only concern is like how many people are going to be involved in the War Games matches and then Survivor Series the very next night. That's my concern too. They have a really deep roster. The hope would be that they find some other people to be in that yeah. Survivor Series elimination match. But I don't know. I mean, maybe they do double duty. It's not like the NXT. To be fair, these NXT guys aren't wrestling the frequency of the WWE main, main roster guys. So even though it's a War Games match, True. there's only going to be so many people taking those big bumps. Maybe those people get eliminated from the team the NXT team, and they get replaced with other people. So we'll yeah. see how they do that. Uh, Buddy Murphy is 3-0 and on Raw, Jack. Um, that's the good. Good matches, short matches. He's 3-0, and everything we want. But he's drawing no reaction. The crowds don't seem to care. Is this an issue of Buddy Murphy's character or WWE not giving him an opportunity to get over on the mic? Uh, maybe a mix of both. Uh, everybody knows if, if you follow me on Twitter, especially I'm a big Bud Murphy guy. Love Bud. One of my favorites. This is a Buddy Bud. Murphy stand podcast. Something's missing. Um, And as much as we love great wrestling, that can only take you so far. Right. Something is missing and I can't put my finger on it. And maybe none of us can for right now. And maybe that moment will happen and we'll go, ah, there it is. Yeah. Something's just not there right now. But, Going back to conversations we had on this show previously, uh, but recently, Paul Heyman, if there's anyone I trust to figure it out, it's Paul Heyman. Same. He's, He'll figure out what's missing. He's putting him but over. Yeah, something's not there right he's now. He's putting him over. He's winning. He's putting Andrade on TV every week. He's letting out. Alistair Black wasn't on this week, but Alistair Black is getting showcase matches. He's building yeah. stars. The stars we want him to build. Maybe it's a little bit of a hiccup right now. Maybe it is the crowd. We'll find out. Uh, last here on Hero Zero. Uh, let's talk WWE announcers briefly. SmackDown, again, because there were delays and people weren't there. They went with Tom Phillips, Renee Young, and Pat McAfee. And straight up, straight up, the trio is better than Michael Cole and Corey Graves. Pat McAfee is better than Corey Graves. Renee Young was very good without Corey Graves being there. And I'm not saying this to crap on Corey Graves. I like him. But, but that trio, they stumbled into something there. If it's me, if I'm the decision maker, they are my commentary team for SmackDown. And boy, Pat McAfee, kudos to that guy. I don't know if you guys listen to his podcast, but he told the story of how that came to be. That dude was for ESPN Thursday Night Football in Waco, Texas for the Baylor game. Friday, he was supposed to go get ready for a flight to Memphis for college game day on Saturday. Yep. Triple H calls him in the middle of the afternoon and says, hey, if I pitch this to Vince for you to do SmackDown because we're in a bind and they're stuck, could you do it? Could you be here in Buffalo? where he's scheduled to go to Memphis. So he went to Buffalo and then back to where he was in Indianapolis. And then he had to go to Memphis. But 
And no, and, that, that that announcing crew was actually pretty good. And credit to him, I actually saw him on game day. I heard him on the Thursday night game because I was watching it, and certainly saw him on SmackDown. Guy's good, man. I mean, people. What a post NFL career that man has made for. People himself. can say whatever they want about him. I find him extremely entertaining. Um, so do I. And I think on commentary, I think he's better on commentary than maybe anything else because he's the type of voice you want. He's the he he brings that energy without being the heel. The, the Corey Graves constant yeah. heel, constantly beating you down. But that that's Vince. It's like I I stopped crapping on Michael Cole after the Beast in the East show. When it came out, it was like that was the first time he had time to cook without someone yelling yes. in his ear. And I said, oh, so this is the real Michael yes, Cole. Yes, yes. This is bull. Like, why can't we get this guy? But but to be fair, Vince was at that show and he was in Tom Phillips' ear. Tom Phillips did a great job. Renee Young, without having Graves, like, hitting her down all the time, was herself. It was natural and fun. And um, Pat McAfee was great. I'm not joking. That would be my trio on SmackDown. I wouldn't think twice. And I already want Phillips instead of Cole. Speaking uh, of but, announcers, though, really quick, I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Right. How did you laugh a little bit when Dio Madden yesterday got in Brock Lesnar's face and he towered over him? I loved it. He towered over he's him. He's a football player. Like, but that's what I was telling. My I loved wife it. didn't understand. I said, "Honey, he was he's an ex NFL player." Here, here's why I loved it. You have Corey Graves wouldn't because he's hurt, but you have um, Byron Saxton stand up to Brock Lesnar. You're laughing. You're yeah. like, Byron, what the hell are you doing? You have Dio Madden stand up next to Brock Lesnar. You Towered go, over him. You go, holy crap. It gave him credibility. Yeah. Even though he took the F5 and it was great and good for him. Kudos. Hope he got that $500 hazard pay or whatever extra he gets. Um, but kudos to him for taking the bump. I thought standing up next to him, defending Vic Joseph and Jerry the King Lawler, put him over as a face announcer. It gave people a little insight into him. And now you have a storyline with Dio Madden next week. Now, what would have been even funnier, I don't think people, people realize Vic is six foot six. Yeah, it would have been hilarious if Vic got Brock's face. You can't have, but you can't have the. You can't, you can't have that. You can't have the straight man. Player is easy to explain. You can't have the straight man do it. You can only have the other guy. And I thought it was a great job by Dio Madden. I was going to bring it up uh, right after this. Oh, huge well, hero, huge hero, Dio Madden. Huge awesome. hero SmackDown commentary. Uh, we're going to hit some DMs on our way out here. Uh, I'm just going to hit the sound once because we do have time to save here. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? Uh, three DMs. Uh, Jason Allen at Jaybird3452. Is WWE going with the Mysterio Lesnar route? Sorry, with WWE going with the Mysterio Lesnar routed Survivor Series. What does that mean for the Universal Championship, The Fiend? I'm st- show's almost done. I'm stumbling all over my words here. Uh, with Lesnar on Raw and The Fiend on SmackDown, is this the time to change the Universal to the SmackDown WWE title? Or WWE just turn it blue and keep the name? So they're going to keep the Universal name. It shocks me how many people want a bright blue universal championship. For, it makes sense though. Okay, I, it does I, but it, it does but it doesn't. Let me explain. Yes, it's on SmackDown now. Because of that, it would make sense to turn it blue. Also, the word universe you think, you know, black and purple and blue and stars and things like that, right? So it would in theory make sense. The person you don't do that with is the fiend whose color is red who comes out to matches bathed in red. You don't then give him a blue strap to the title. Also, you don't have a really good reason to make the strap blue because the fiend is a character. You have to have a reason for that to happen, such as Daniel Bryan changing the title to an eco-friendly one. When Bray Wyatt had the title last time and he posted on Twitter, the custom title that he had or Instagram, that would have made sense for them to do that. So I think they go in one of two, two directions. 
They keep the title red, which is what I would do because the fiend, the whole gimmick is red, so I would keep it that way. The other option is turn it into a Firefly Funhouse title. I but I I was just gonna I I what I believe is going to happen is he is going to have a custom title. I don't know what that cut what the custom is is going to be, but he's going to have a custom title. And then after someone beats him for it, then it's blue. Then it's going to go to the blue strap. Yeah, that I can. I think that's that's what how I foresee this going. That I can see. I hope they go with the blue strap. That's more like the tag team titles, though, and not like the red equivalent, like the bright blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I yeah. hope it's I hope it's muted a little bit. But that's what I see in terms of the fiend. Honestly, I actually don't think he fights in Survivor Series. But it, but if he does, I have no idea who he's going to fight. That's a really good question. I mean, and obviously, I understand the Maybe. first thing we're going to go to is Roman. I was going to say strong. I understand. I was going to say strong actually. Uh, Braun is a good pick, uh, cause, and, and there's a story there, yeah, which is pretty cool. So that lends some credence to that. I, folks, you won't hear me say this. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. Um, Friday we'll figure it out, I guess. Cause he'll be that. I, I don't know. Hey, look at this. WWE giving us reasons <laughs> yeah, to I tune into their programming. This is great. Eric at rib sauce. I know Jack watches a bunch of other independent wrestling. What women can AEW sign to fix this division? Are there any available? I don't think AEW has three women that could even get on NXT television as Jobert's, as BC would say, much less be at the top of the card. Quickly, what say you? There's a couple women out there? There's not, there's not many. They're all signed up. And today, WWE just announced they, uh, uh, Scarlett, Shotzi, and, um, Oh God, I forget the third. It's my brain scrambles. AEW did just sign two women, though. and Shayna, like Shay, I, I also kind of like Shayna had um, the match with the match this week with Brett. Right, it was good, and it was essentially a tryout match. And she got a contract, and she got a contract. Yeah, I like how AEW does that. Yeah, especially was, on TV and on Dark or whatever. It was a tryout match. That's the crazy and thing. She was good, and I think like she was one of the best in the division already. Like, I will. I will <laughs> say this though. I would seriously cons- reconsider the Bea Priestley thing, especially after what happened over the weekend in Stardom. She almost killed Mayu with her recklessness again. This is becoming a pattern, and I'm not happy about it. Stardom? It's becoming a pattern with this woman. Stardom wrestling takes outback Jack Rosby. That's why he's here, folks. Um, Last but not least on this show, Jordan Ray at Jordan L. Ray. Any way too early predictions for WrestleMania? Survivor Series seems to usually be the first big pay-per-view to give indications of where everything is heading. Last year, Ronda versus Charlotte after Becky got injured. The main event doesn't feel as clear this year as it did in 2018. I think he means 2019. Uh, Next year will be the 2020 WrestleMania, of course. Um, I have no earthly idea what they are doing for WrestleMania. Universal Championship, Bray versus Roman. Maybe my original my original pick, but it can't happen now. I, it can't was Alistair Black. I thought Alistair Black would, should be positioned as the only man that's what I that can beat the Fiend. Can't happen now. Well, but, no, no, no. It can. He can I, win the Royal I, Rumble. Yeah. Oh, yes. That, that's just the but, problem. Uh, the problem with that, with him winning the Royal Rumble, um, unless the challenger for the other title was also cross brand, is that every time you move an Alistair Black. You have to worry about Zelina, then you have to worry about Andrade, and then you have to worry about Charlotte. So moving yeah. those people is not easy for WWE. WWE Championship, Kane versus Brock, the rematch. I think On we Raw. go to that, and Kane wins. I know it's crazy to say Kane Velasquez, Watts got to WrestleMania, WWE Champion, but I think that's what's going to happen. 
Uh, Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch one on one. We're I... gonna get the we're we're gonna get the match that we weren't afforded last year. I'm done, I love Charlotte, but you know we all know what the what the plan was supposed to be originally. Yeah, those are my three big picks. But I, I, I'm still going to lean towards Roman Bray. So I am going to go with uh, Brock Kane. I think that's an obvious. It just yeah. is. It, it. I thought it was going to be Brock Roman. They were going to run it back with them both being on SmackDown. And, and this time with a rejuvenated Reigns, who actually yes. could deserve to get cheered. Um, but it seems like that's gone now. Brock Kane. I am going to go with, because we originally did you know discuss Fiend Aleister Black. I think they keep Roman out of the title picture if it's Fiend. And they do have Aleister Black. They're, they groom him to win the Royal Rumble and switch brands and challenge him. And maybe they do after the WrestleMania, they do a draft and they move Kane to SmackDown. And then they Could have that, yeah. Aleister. They have Aleister remain on Raw. It's only a couple of weeks where he's not there. I'm going to go with that as opposed to Roman because if they build up Roman, as they have been, and he gets cheered. People like Roman now. If they build up Roman and just have him go over the Fiend. Unless by then the fiend is legitimately getting booed and is legitimately hated and people are tired of him, it could just be the same thing all over again. Well, we're not. Also, we're not saying that in that case that the fiend would necessarily have to lose. We could also. It's just. I just. I always. And I'm sorry. I have a soft spot. The feel spots like BC likes. I have a soft spot for anyone but you, Roman. Their feud, Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns. Yeah. And the way this can go for the next decade, anyone but you, Roman. Like, he takes on all these challengers, but it all co- – I love when things just always circle back to each other. Maybe the real answer is they just take the title off Fiend before we get that get that far. And maybe we could, do have Fiend – and maybe we do have Fiend Aleister Black in a regular match. And then we have, you know, Daniel Bryan again going in against Kofi again. Maybe well, – who knows what can to, happen, you know? There, there were – there isn't – there were indications – that this that the whole Roman Bryan thing, be it both baby faces or one baby face, one heel, was building to Roman versus Bryan at WrestleMania. Very, very yes. long term. I, uh, I said that on this podcast. Storytelling. I said that on this podcast. Absolutely. Roman versus Bryan, which I oh man, I'd be all in on that. Well, take, like, take all my attention. I should clarify. At first, I thought it was SummerSlam, you know, because that was the obvious direction they were going. And then my thought was, oh, they're delaying it. What if they build this all the way to WrestleMania and it's perfect? The fans, Even when they became friends, I said, well, yes. this is good because there's enough time where that friendship could deteriorate in the next few months. Yep. And then, boom, you do it in Tampa. You have him do a, a thing with Rowan. You have him do a thing with Harper. He gets through both of them. He still doesn't get opportunities. He eventually wins the Rumble. He gets his chance. And you have your ready-made feud. So yep. I, I was on that path. But it seems like they're turning Brian face. I hope they don't. Um, but we will find out. Anyway, thanks for sticking with us here on the State of Combat Without Brian Campbell, professional wrestling edition. You can follow us on Twitter at State of Combat. Myself, Silverstein Adam. And I think, what are you? You changed your name finally, Jay Crosby CBS? Yeah, yeah because it was. And I, I, I took enough flack for BC and everybody. A couple of our producers me. were giving me flack about it. You. So I said, all right, you bastards here. Yeah. Jay Crosby CBS. It's, no, it's a lot easier now. Yeah. Jay Crosby CBS, Silverstein Adam, State of Combat. Follow us at CBS Sports. Uh, for all of our combat sports coverage, we have some great interviews you should listen to that BC did ahead of that Canelo Kovalev fight. Many of them are green, though. You can listen to them with some of the biggest names in boxing, 
Uh, there's the anticipation for uh, MMA show uh, tomorrow with Rashad Evans, uh, you know, boxing show potentially on Thursday this week as well. I don't have the full schedule from BC, so I am speaking a bit out of school. The point, plenty of state of combat for your ear holes, and we do expect and hope to have the Brian Campbell back on next week's professional wrestling show. So for Jack Crosby, this is the Silver King, and you know what we do in the Silver King hosted edition of the State of Combat. We always go full savage. Elizabeth, come on out that. here, oh, man. Oh. We got something going that's oh, really big, mercy. don't we? Yeah. Look in the video scope right now and tell him about Macho Madness. Tell him how strong it is and tell him where we're going, yeah. Way into the twilight zone, yeah. And Hulk Hogan's got no chance, does he? No. no. no does no, anybody doesn't. have a chance against the Macho Man, Randy no, Savage? No, no. Am I the greatest wrestler past, present, and future that ever lived? Yes. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Oh, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And I am the roughest one in the sport. I am the number one wrestler in the world today. Tell Hulk Hogan that. I will. Well, thank you, Randy Savage. Rest in peace, Randy. Rest in peace, Gene. We are out.